Dean. Yeah. Here's an important question that I think one should ask oneself. Okay. You should ask yourself, is the thing I'm trying to accomplish opening a jar of pickles? This is episode 56 of the Ikaria podcast. You're listening with Shane and Dean. So think about this, right? You're, you're trying to do something. You have some goal that you're trying to accomplish. You're struggling with it, mm-hmm. okay? You have not achieved your goal, the, the desired outcome yet. You should take a moment to ask yourself, is what I'm trying to do opening a jar of pickles? Because if what you're trying to do is opening a jar of pickles, then the solution is to do it harder, right? <laughs> to try harder, okay? If you're trying to open a jar of pickles that hasn't happened yet, you need to apply more force. Mm-hmm. You need to strain harder. Yeah. And eventually it's going to work, right? <laughs> I would argue, though, that for, for most other goals, this same approach doesn't work. Okay. And I think that we misapply this to lots and lots of things. Whereas, you know, you're struggling to achieve some goal. You know, okay, strong counterexample, you want to fall asleep. You're trying Mm -hmm. to fall asleep, right? And then you realize that, okay, clearly trying hard or straining more does not work. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we can have those as like, you know, two extreme ends of the spectrum. On the one hand, you have opening a jar of pickles. On the other hand, you're trying to fall asleep, right? I think that we often, like, spontaneously think, oh, this isn't working yet. I have to try harder. Mm-hmm. But it, but we're, we're basically applying the wrong solution. Okay, mm. It's a, a goal-inappropriate solution. So, because if if we talk about, like, more abstract things like not jars of pickles or falling asleep if you you know you're trying to build a business let's say you what does what does trying harder look like in practice like working longer hours yeah always piling on more stress more responsibility and and generally just doing more things Mm -hmm. and it's like that's what we um intuitively do i think we intuitively think oh it's not working yet. I have to do it more. And I think, didn't you also have an experience with this where you realized at some point that you were, you have this tendency to almost like just add stress to your life? Mm-hmm. As well, a, in as both cases, the, the pickles and the business, you, you make more noise. <laughs> in this case it's physical yeah, yeah, like yeah. groaning which you don't have to do mm. but, we but people do, we're like people can then see that you're that <laughs> exactly. you're trying super hard yeah, that's yeah. what it is yeah. and and the same in a business you're just like yeah. oh i'm so stressed i'm so yeah. you're vocalizing it all the time yeah. Yeah. yeah and and you know and i think it's like it's a sincere attempt as well mm. i think i think there is a social aspect yeah where, where you want to make sure that people see how how busy and stressed convincing you are. yourself too and and convince <laughs> yourself and stuff but i also think that it's often a sincere attempt like yeah in the business context you know something that i think is a very uh, typical business mistake is um just taking on more and more so let's say you have you know you have clients and then your clients come with like all kinds of extras and things that are essentially not on the menu, you mm-hmm. know, oh, can you also do this for me? Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? You just say yes to everything. And you think, oh yeah, I'm just gonna offer this too, and I'm gonna offer that too, and this too, because then I can get more work or more clients, but no, no, no it's, it's making things worse. You're just adding work, but you would actually get more clients if you were more clear about this is exactly what I do. You know, here are the conditions, right? That would actually help. Yeah. But you're like, oh, I don't have enough clients. So what if I just, do more and say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. 
that would also be an equivalent of just, I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to put more strain on my life, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, give away more of my time, take on more responsibility, more stress, and so on. And again, it generally just doesn't work. And also you... you tell yourself like oh, I should be able to manage this mm. I mean I'm like it's not it's, it's a jar of pickles come on <laughs> like, yeah. I, 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 I can how do this can yeah, how hard can it be <laughs> yeah. but you know sometimes it yeah needs yeah yeah and so okay what we are so what we're getting at is basically for many things I think there's a way to do it or the ideal way to do it is in a way effortless although we're going to unpack that, right? <laughs> There's an effortless way to do things that is the superior way. And and again, I, I, do, I do think this is something that applies really broadly because if you think about something like your social interactions, if you're having a strained social interaction, kind of trying harder is going to make it worse, if mm -hmm. anything, right? If you're having trouble in a relationship, like adding more strain onto the relationship will probably be counterproductive. Yeah, And there, I think... I think we've all had that experience where you have you can have this effortless flow in a in a social context which makes everything better. And that it can be better in just in terms of having a better time, but it can also be better in terms of um, you know, we're being more creative, mm. we're you know, whatever if you're working together on something like we're doing better work, but it's in a more effortless, more flowing state. So, and that's something let's take a moment to acknowledge that that can be very real. You can achieve more under less strain and, and with less trying hard in some circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so whenever that's possible, that certainly would be the goal to seek that kind of, like, how can I do this effortlessly? Right? Mm -hmm. why, do, why do a thousand things that are super hard, that stress me out, that don't get me to the result, if there's some way to do this, if, if there's some way in which I could kind of effortlessly perform at my best and actually get results, then clearly that's what I should be after. Mm -hmm. The pickle thing's good. <laughs> I, can, I can foresee where this might be going. So I'm not I gonna jump I haven't, the gun. No, I actually haven't thought any further oh, really? in this metaphor. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, are, I, I can really see like where this yeah. should be going. <laughs> okay, well, like, <laughs> tell me. <laughs> So, like, if we use the pickle thing, yeah, what should you do? <laughs> yeah, if you can't, if you can't strain it open, well, stop and identify what the problem is. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, why can't I open it? Is it slippery? Mm. Is it jammed? Mm. Um, or do I just lack the physical capability? Mm -hmm. Like, or, or there could be other things. Mm -hmm. But no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm just yeah. <laughs> and even and even there, of course, right? If you. Um, you, you can just like jam a knife under the lid and, mm. and open it up to decompress it or something. But that's you it. Can, you start thinking of tools yeah, as yeah. the next thing. It's so a cloth if, or a knife or... Exactly, yeah. Although, dad. you know, then if you're, <laughs> if, if you're a man, then you can't do that when anyone's watching, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so yeah, that, that would be an example where for sure there's a more effortless way to get at these pickles. You could just, also just drop it on a hard <laughs> surface, right? <laughs> Literally effortless, right? Yeah. By releasing all effort, you're just shattering the glass. You have to eat all the pickles now, but yeah. still, <laughs> you got out the pickles. But yeah, I didn't actually think the analogy through that far. Um, but yeah, let's... So, Outsourcing, leverage. Yeah, you yeah, could hire this, someone this, to open... This is why I said, like, there's actually a long way. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. There's many, there's many ways to get out the pickles, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so effortless action or, mm -hmm. or effortless... Um, 
kind of effortless high performance. We've also talked about this. We've called this um, high performance low tension mm-hmm. in the past, um, which is is this kind of idea. Like, in which ways can be at, can you be at your best in a state of low tension? And I think one of the this is I think one of the things that probably practicing martial arts kind of taught me. You know, it's kind of a life lesson that's hidden in martial arts because if you are if you see two people grapple mm-hmm. and one of them is straining super hard and the other one looks relaxed, mm. that person is going to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're almost guaranteed yeah. the more relaxed combatant is going to win. So so interestingly, even with something like that, which is very much a game of physical force, it's still true that there's a kind of an effortless or lower effort, lower tension way to perform better. So let's dig into this because Mm -hmm. then the next question is, well, how does that come about? And I think there's there's several answers to this, right? If, if we if we think about that as a desirable goal, I want to be in, in low tension. I want to be at my best and ideally getting results for whatever my goal is, doing things that they kind of feel easy, that kind of feel like they just flow out of me. And again, if we think about this in a business context, you know, ideally you would be spending time doing things that you're really good at that come easy to you and that's what you get paid for. Mm-hmm. And everything else is kind of a side note. And, but the experience that many, many entrepreneurs have is like, you're doing all kinds of stuff that you hate, it's stressful and, and you're not even getting paid, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so, okay. But how do we get there? So how does that come about? How does effortless high performance come about? I think there are multiple answers to this. One would be the spiritual type new age answer, which would essentially suggest that maybe there is something that you're meant to do that, you know, if you once you're fully aligned with your purpose or something, then everything becomes easy, and it's almost like you have to tune into the right frequency or something, and everything becomes easy, right? Mm-hmm. That would be, and and this is a very attractive idea. Yeah. Okay. It's a very attractive idea because it suggests that there's something out there waiting for you that just once mm-hmm. you find it, it, solves everything. But uh, the problem is, it I think it's realistic too, but it's a destination, not a process. Mm. It's yeah. it's you you get that later. You, exactly. don't, you can't start there. That's the problem with that. I, yes, yeah. I agree with that. So I, and obviously, look, I can't, I can't confirm or deny this, th- this more spiritual idea, but it's, it's certainly not something that has been reflected in my life. Right, mm-hmm. I haven't experienced life like that. I think that, um, what that, I think that this effortless high performance comes from skill. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're watching someone doing something at this super high level and it seems like they're basically relaxed or having a good time while doing it, I think what you're seeing is a high level of skill. Mm. Now, in some cases, this is pretty obvious where, you know, you, you've you practiced something for a long time. You know, let's say someone has practiced playing the piano for yeah. years and years and years and then they sit down and play a beautiful complex song and it's it looks effortless. Yeah. It looks so fingers easy. Right? Yeah, their fingers are just flowing across the thing. It's just beautiful, right? And it looks so much easier than it is. And of course, why is that? And and indeed, you know, it's not. They're not having a super hard time doing this. Mm-mm. They're playing this song, and they're so good at it that it, for them, it's fairly easy to play this song. So, but what you're seeing is the culmination of all this skill building. Mm-hmm. And I think this is often also true in less obvious ways. 
So if you think about like an example from from my own life is that I have I'm you know something that people often point out is or or ask me about is you know where did I learn like my presentation skills right when I'm presenting on video or on stage or something that's something I'm pretty good at and it is something that I also find enjoyable you know mm-hmm. someone asked me recently you know is, do you get nervous before giving a presentation or a talk and I have to think about it I I, I don't know because it's like I look forward to it I mm-hmm. want to be there I want to be on the stage yeah. basically you know <laughs> so so that would be an area where I am in that kind of effortless action. And so where does that come from? Well, actually, if I look at my history from fairly early on in my life, this is something that I started practicing without even realizing it. Mm. Um, I had, I was always the kid who would take the, you know, if there was like a group assignment, I was always the one doing the presentation in part because I hated all the other stuff more, (laughs) you know. But even there, that's like early instances of practice, right, as a child. And then, you know, when I was a teen, I, I taught martial arts and I taught uh, I, I taught other classes to kids. So I was like in a teaching position. Mm-hmm. And and then I started, you know, creating and writing content and making video content and so on. Like most of the time, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm practicing presentation skills or yeah, I'm practicing teaching, teaching skills. By the time the situation comes around where someone says, oh, you know, can you, I don't know, can you lead this workshop? And then people are like, wow, you're really talented at this. I've already put in like thousands of hours of practice by then, but I've never thought of it as I'm practicing in order to give a workshop later on. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, in a similar way, maybe someone, you know, if you have someone who's like, uh, they do, they start working as a coach or a therapist and their first session just goes really well. And they're like, wow, I was born to do this. I bet that if you look at that person's history, they have a series of experiences that made them a really good listener. You know, maybe in their family, this is something that was really cultivated or they were in some position where basically by the time you go, wow, you have so much talent. Actually, you have thousands of hours of practice. That's Mm -hmm. that's my theory here. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. And like you said, it's easy to identify with certain skills because we call them skills. It's like, oh, you have that skill. Presentation is a skill. You Mm -hmm. have it. But there's like a myriad of soft skills or whatever else you want to call them where you know thinking yeah it's not a skill it's like it's something we have to do it's like yeah the, that's actually but it's example. a skill it's yeah. like some you can be good at thinking or bad at thinking yeah. and, and, and even things. more so you can be good at certain kinds of thinking that exactly. are useful in certain contexts yeah. and so on right totally yeah. and stressing yeah. or not stressing is a skill <laughs> yeah yeah and that you know the thinking thing reminds me of um I'll have to, I can't remember the exact details of this, but you know, there's kind of this uh, this meme that, you know, Chinese people are great at maths. Mm-hmm. And I saw some explanation of this where it has something to do with language or it has something, you know, there's something about, or, or even the way they do numbers or the way they do language, but there's something more fundamental mm. in the Chinese language that lends itself to mathematics. So okay. again, like by the time you're doing taking the math test, your brain has already practiced this way of thinking gotcha. way more than someone from Europe. Okay. Um, and so, yes, yeah, stuff like that, I think it's exactly the point. We we don't correctly identify everything as skill, but really... Everything. <laughs> you're, this skill development and practice is happening all the time. Mm. Even as we're sitting here, you know, we're our, our glutes are, are like slowly atrophying because we're sitting, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're practicing a certain kind of 
thinking, we're practicing a certain kind of communication as well. If you do this a lot, you know, mm -hmm. then you have a conversation with someone there. They may be like, oh, this guy is really eloquent. Mm. Uh, you know, how lucky to have such a talent. No, yeah. I actually, I was sitting in front of this microphone for hours. Yeah. I practiced, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you don't know what it is that you're learning, like yeah. you said, until you look back. Like the one thing with the podcast setup that I didn't anticipate is listening. Mm. It's like you don't realize how passively we listen in a normal conversation. But when you're in a podcast, there's a camera, there's a mic, it's like, shit, if I don't listen to you, <laughs> I'm going to be like, fuck, what, what did you say? Yeah, it's going to be on the it's record. It's going to be like on the record. <laughs> so you end up sitting here and you're like, I'm, I'm really going to listen now. Yeah. But you forget about it after a while. Mm. But it's, it's again, it's practicing a skill mm. that, that we don't consider as, okay, no, we do call listening a skill yeah, but yeah. but it's not hard listening yeah, skill yeah. it's soft listening and skill. your brain keeps practicing even when you're not not paying attention to it exactly anymore, right? you're only paying attention to it when it's new so okay mm. but that's that's the yeah. basic premise right i think that it is through practice that we get to this to this thing that looks like effortless high performance i think that's a that's a key part of it mm -hmm. although Having said that, like we can we can dive deeper into this and dissect this more because another part is also, let's say, a mindset component. Mm -hmm. So you can have someone, if we again we we take the the example of combatants, right, in a grappling match, you can have, let's say, two people of, of equal skill, and one of them is tense and nervous and you know, is basically has stage fright or something, mm -hmm. and the other is calm and low tension, then that will that will help that combatant win. Mm -hmm. So there's also th like the mindset component of have you learned to relax mm. and just do the thing? Or are you constantly in high tension, high stress? Mm. And I think that if you're constantly in high tension and high stress, yeah, that basically hinders your performance. Mm -hmm. So you have to essentially learn to trust and let your skill do its thing in a way. Mm. But interestingly, here's here's a wrinkle to this. Because how do we gain such high skill? What we're basically talking about is there's a moment of performance. Mm -hmm. There's a moment where you're performing the thing and here you're unleashing high performance at low tension. But how do you gain this high skill? Well, here's something really interesting that uh, I believe I came across this in one of Stephen Kotler's book, The, uh, the Art of Impossible or something like that. Um, I read about this study that was done on on learning, where they're basically trying to find out, you know, how do you optimize learning? How do you how do people learn faster and more effectively? And one of the key ingredients that was isolated was frustration. Mm. So if you are not frustrated, then you're not learning very mm. well. So if you think about this, if you think about two scenarios, right? Let's say we have group A and group B in this study, and they they have some problem to solve, some difficult problem to solve. Now. If you think in group A, they're they're like constantly getting support and hints and handholding, right? If as soon as someone is struggling, it's like someone jumps in and explains something, right? And in group B, they're kind of just left to struggle with the problem, mm -hmm. and it's frustrating. You know, they try things, it doesn't work. They have to try new things. They have to be like, right? It's this frustrating experience. Mm. So the people who will have the frustrating experience will learn more than mm -hmm. the people who get saved from the frustration constantly, who get all the guidance and all the hand-holding. Yeah. So. Makes sense. And yeah, it makes sense, right? Every, any skill I've ever tried to learn, guitar playing, skateboarding tricks, all, all those types of things, they are 
probably the most frustration I've ever felt in my mm. life when you, you you're there as a kid till 11 o'clock at night yeah. it's bedtime you just keep going because you're like but that frustration skateboarders I have to say skateboarders have an unbelievable capacity for failure with frustration this is because when I was I was a skater, but like inline skating, you yep. know, when that was briefly cool for like two years. <laughs> comes, comes around again. <laughs> so, but, but I think one of the reasons I did inline skating is because it was much easier to get kind of a win, you know, mm -hmm. because at the skate park, there would be the kids with the inline skates and the, the skateboarders. Mm -hmm. And with the inline skates, it's like, okay, yeah, I can do the half pipe thing. I can do a little jump here and so on relatively easy. The skateboards are just constantly falling off their skateboards. It's 90% failure yeah. the whole time. And then you land something once. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. You've, you've made it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if you fail every time after that for yeah. another. But yeah, frustration, it comes to mind when you say that because it's a key component okay. um, at, uh, of the experience. And even though you're failing the whole time, you, you don't give up, you don't yeah. stop. So it's that's interesting to me that it's it's not failure and Ugh, I can't, I give up. It's like, I'm gonna yeah. get you. <laughs> yeah, it's engaging, it's engaging with the struggle. And, you know, I also think that, for example, with learning, um, with tech, basically, mm -hmm. it's, it's getting less like that. But, you know, I grew up with um, my first interaction with the computer was like MS-DOS, mm -hmm. right? command line prompt stuff. And I think one of the reasons why I'm very, very comfortable with technology and why I can easily, you know, switch from one device to another, one operating system to another, basically doesn't bother me. Uh, learning a new piece of software is really trivial for me. Mm -hmm. And... I think one of the big reasons for that is that engagement with what was initially a very frustrating process, mm -hmm. where it's just the amount of difficult things you have to figure out, even just to get like, and you want to get your game to run or something, mm -hmm. right? But you have to solve like 15 problems before you can get your game mm -hmm. to run, right? So, and I think that is something that makes, yeah, makes this resilience and, mm -hmm. and creates this comfort essentially. And again, that's like, that is another example of basically high performance, low tension, right? If you give me a video editing tool that I've never seen before, mm. uh, unless it's absolutely shit, right? Let's say it's a good one mm -hmm. <laughs> that I just haven't used. I can probably be more proficient than most people at using it within like a day or two. Mm. Uh, it doesn't bother me that I have to learn, you know, new ways of interacting, new shortcuts and whatnot. It's, fairly easy right mm. but i think that also the reason i have that is because of all this practice and all the frustration that i've gone through yeah but so this is an interesting this is like an interesting dichotomy because on the one hand we're saying the goal is to to have this high performance at low tension and on the other hand we're saying to get there you have to go through all this frustrating Completely practice opposite yeah. yeah yeah so so what do we make of that right um I think part of it is that even while you're doing the frustrating learning, you can be in high tension or low tension mm -hmm. relatively. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, if you're thinking, yeah, you're practicing a skateboard trick, you can be like charged up with, with um, tension and anger about the 99 times you failed, mm -hmm. or you can try it, fall off, try it again, fall off, try it again, fall off. Like the process is still frustrating, but it, 
The question is still, how much tension do you hold? Mm-hmm. Like, like, do you let the frustration, like, or do you let the, the frustration turn into tension? Mm-hmm. Or are you just like, like, can you let go essentially in between each try, yeah. you know? And yeah, I think, I think that's kind of key because mm-hmm. um, again, if I think about things that I've learned well versus things that I haven't, they both, they're always frustrating. It's always a frustrating problem solving process. Mm-hmm. But things that I have learned well, I'm like, ideally I'm like playfully engaged with that problem yeah. solving process. Yeah, it, it, you said the word comfort earlier and I think this, I mean, this lends itself to the comfort zone conversation, which is the, how deep do you go into your discomfort? Mm-hmm. If you go too far into the, the other side, it becomes unmanageable, you give up, all that type of thing. If you stay on the, the, the bottom end of it, mm. You're not going to learn enough. So if you go just deep enough, it's like where is the line where frustration doesn't yeah. let you give up? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that changes over time. It's like you you have to step into step out of your comfort zone, but just to the line where you're still not being tense. Yeah. Until it shifts, <laughs> and yeah, then you've yeah. got to find it again. And I I don't think we reassess that. Yeah, I think that's the well. I think this is this reminds me of video games because perfect example. Yeah. I think that this is what, cer- especially certain video games, are as successful as they are because they manage that tightrope walk really that, well. Exactly. Yeah. They give you because first of all, I think video games have a huge advantage because they're framed as a game. Mm-hmm. You know, right away, this mm-hmm. is a game, and <laughs> I think that. Video games can have this addictive quality, but they also have this this kind of brain reshaping quality where people do learn very rapidly in in the context of video games. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, right, usually or often what you learn is not a terribly useful skill. So it's like you're getting better at playing Fortnite, you know, which mm-hmm. is which can be a useful skill if you become pro, right? But <laughs> <laughs> otherwise maybe not so much. But but it is a, a form of rapid learning. And the reason it works so well is because there's this really fine balance between um, what you just said, right? The, the game keeps the player in that ideal zone. Yeah, it moves. Where it's never so easy that it's just like, oh, I'm just um, winning all the time, boring. And it's, But it's also not just overly frustrating. It's just the right amount of frustrating. It's mm-hmm. always, you're always so close to the next thing. You're always so close to, you know, getting just a bit better that you're like that you're a bit frustrated, but you're also kind of winning at the same time, mm-hmm. right? And and yeah, video games have like the ability to do this in a really fine-tuned way mm-hmm. because you can essentially break it down. You know, you can essentially turn it into mathematics. Mm. Uh, you can look at every statistic from you know win rate to um, yeah. Basically, if you just break down all the statistics around the player, you can probably find okay, we have to make sure that we maintain this kind of win rate that we maintain this kind of you know engagement or whatever to put them in that sweet spot and in the real world that's very hard to yeah. do it's like i'm going to start a business boss level yeah, yeah. everything <laughs> yeah. defeat everything and <laughs> yeah. level day 1 yeah. it doesn't have to be though right yeah it doesn't have to be well and also you have to design your path totally yeah i mean and that's what it comes down to again right even if you're trying to do something really difficult you if you keep this in mind, everything we've just talked about now, right? So first of all, yeah, you, 
if the difficult thing is you want to open a jar, you, you want to start a business, then you have to keep in mind, this is not the same as opening a jar of pickles. Mm -hmm. So I'm not just going to strain harder. That's not how I do this. Mm -hmm. And and then if you can keep in mind, okay, what are the key skills that I need to develop? How do I give myself the, this kind of exposure that puts me in that zone of optimal frustration so that I'm building that skill? And at the same time, and this is another thing, right? It's like making sure that I'm actually focusing my time and attention on the key parts mm -hmm. so that I'm not just um, overwhelmed with a thousand things, but can I identify what are the you know, three most important things that need to happen for this business to succeed and what are skills associated with that and, and go in on that, right? Mm -hmm. um, you see it though when, like for most people, starting a business is difficult, but then you get these handful of people, serial entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. who just like, it's a game. It's like, oh, I'm totally, gonna, yeah. in fact, what I've seen is their problem is the addiction to the game yeah. and they're not actually like, working on the business you like build it up let's sell it let's do it again i've yeah, seen yeah. that with people because that part that they've developed the skill of building a business so well yeah. that they're procrastinating on taking it to another yeah. level yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or doing something else with it yeah. yeah yeah and and you know even there like if if you see someone who's a super skilled entrepreneur and who, who has this effortless action kind of thing going even there part of that might be luck you know because yeah. If you start a business, like, the, let's be honest, it involves some luck. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like what's what's missing is that perfect video game design. Mm. You might start a business that, that gives you a really negative, right, basically that throws you in with the final boss right away. Mm -hmm. And that's really difficult. Someone could start a business and they're just kind of, you know, doing the right thing at the right time where they get a bit of a, they get a bit of a tailwind, you know that helps them along, that gives them first successes, that makes them feel good. And so that they have essentially more momentum when they deal with obstacles and so on. And that can create a snowball effect of, oh, this is kind of fun and mm. it's kind of easy. Mm. And it creates, that means that they have that engagement um, that helps them build those skills and they have the attitude of this is fun. So they, they are at low tension, mm -hmm. right? So basically, ideally, you would design your first business in such a way that it gives you that kind of experience, exactly, right? But of yeah. course, that's incredibly difficult to do. Yeah. Like, I'd, I wouldn't know how to do that either. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, with a game, like you said, the rules are set before you even get going with real life situations. You, It's so unclear of what is what and what is tension and what is first, what yeah, is a yeah. task. It's all a blur. Yeah. And, and that's why you said earlier, one skill i guess to practice is, is just your approach your how do you come to the yeah regardless of what it is because even if it is the pickle jar it's like that's why i thought this is a good analogy because <laughs> it's like stop yeah. analyze what the problem is and what tool what type of external force is going to be best here yeah and yeah i literally could yeah you can take that same thing to everything else yeah um, I've, I've got one really good, very current example mm. um, of how I am now different a year later, even though I'm in a similar situation. So I've spoken about introspective writing. I've spoken about how we did that like 30-day stint of doing it every day about a year ago. Mm -hmm. 
at the time I almost didn't want to do it. I almost pulled out because I was like overwhelmed. There was a lot going on. It was like, ah, oh, life, I'm, I'm trying to level up here. And this is mm-hmm. so much I need to do to level up. Mm-hmm. And I almost pulled out. Anyway, did it. It was really good for me. So and that was writing every day for three that days. That was writing every day. Yeah. Uh, we currently today started a new challenge, writing every day. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I am a little bit overwhelmed. We're like, we're gymming, we're doing this. We're like, there, there's a lot going on. I'm completely chilled. Mm-hmm. And I wrote mm-hmm. today. And if I look at the first writing session from a year ago and the first writing session from today, I'm like a whole different person, mm. but the circumstances around me are identical. They're just as technically stressful as they were then. Yeah, yeah. I'm not in a way different situation in life other than my mental approach. I looked at it, I'm like, okay, I know what my problems are. Mm. I know what the solutions are. All I need to work on is getting more time to make that happen. Mm-hmm. I can do that. Yeah, it's like yeah. I, life's not a problem anymore, and that's in one year. And the only difference is my approach, my yeah, my my yeah. ability to handle the discomfort of the overwhelm I'm feeling right now. That's mm. it. Yeah, uh, totally. And I I do think that that's a key skill and something that I'm working on and and I that I really want to develop more and and learn more about is basically being able to treat everything as a game essentially. Mm-hmm. Or having that, because to me, that's the epitome of the low tension approach, mm. you know, because we have this thing, oh, life is all serious. You have to be serious. And video <laughs> games are fun. You just mm-hmm. play. But like, hold on. What if life is also just like a game? Mm. You know, it's just and in a way, again, we can bring this back to the pickle jar because you can also say, look, at the end of the day, you also have to remember that maybe you're straining and, and trying and all kinds of stuff. It's like, listen, it's just a jar of pickles. <laughs> Pickles are optional, right? <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to have the pickles at all. Like, you, you know. Good point. And it's not that important. It's not that important. Don't let this ruin your life, you know? Mm-hmm. You can, because you can maybe just say, listen, I'm just, this is not working, you know? Mm-hmm. You tried dropping it's bulletproof glass. I don't know. You're just like, I'm just not going to do this. I'm just not going to have pickles. It's fine, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think that's sometimes also, we forget, you know, we take things so seriously in life. Mm-hmm. But we forget that most things are basically optional. Mm. <laughs> it's basically yeah, optional. You, you don't have to. Um, and often we are struggling horribly under self-imposed problems, right? Mm. And so being able to have that perspective, listen, I, none of this is, none of this actually matters, right? Mm-hmm. We're all going to die pretty soon anyway. <laughs> um, and actually I can choose to engage with this, mm-hmm. okay? I can choose to engage with this and I can also just choose not to and I can choose to do something else. Uh, that maybe helps, right? Yeah. But okay, so that's the that's, that's the good. basic idea. This is kind of the idea of how do you achieve that, you know, transcended state of effortless action where everything just comes so easy. Uh-huh. You know, that's that's kind of the moment on stage that we dream about. Uh, what if, uh, you know, if only all of life could be like that, you mm. know? And I think that is worth considering. It is that it is the practice and and being in that ideal zone of frustration, struggling with the problem, that is what levels up your skill. And the more you level up your skill, the more it basically expands the range of things you can do seemingly effortlessly, mm-hmm. right? The more you've practiced something, the more you can, in, in, you know, this, the simplest example here is like weightlifting, right? It's like you're lifting weights in order to get stronger. 
And obviously, you're continually increasing weights as you get stronger, because otherwise, what's the point? And so as a result of that, every training session is hard, right? You're always lifting heavy. But as you get stronger, there are more and more weights that you can lift effortlessly that other people struggle with, mm -hmm. okay? And this is the same with any skill. So you develop your skill and you, you're doing the thing at a higher and higher level. You are struggling with higher and higher complexity problems. And as a result of that, there's more and more in your field that you can do effortlessly that most other people struggle with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what it comes down to, or that's basically, yeah. Like I said, I do think that for most things, there is a, a high performance, low tension way to do it. Mm. There is an effortless action way to do it, but the way to get there is a combination of having the right mindset and having the skills and bringing those skills to bear. Yeah challenge here is I, I know you have this i have it too there's too many things that i want to be good at yeah and not enough hours in the day yeah that's that's something where you you really have to take the time to be deliberate about where where a skill is adequate and where i want to excel yeah well i think that's that's actually exactly it right i think that we underestimate so first of all we underestimate how much we can learn over the span of a few years mm. and if there are things that you really want to get good at skills that you really want to build and that you can dedicate yourself to something for a few years and get really good at it mm -hmm. and a few years isn't that long really mm -hmm. you know three to five years or so dedicated to one skill you'll be pretty damn good mm -hmm. and you can do that quite a few times in your life yeah um, so you don't have to settle for just one thing exactly. unless you want to yeah. be like the world's best at that one thing. Right? Yeah. Um, but the other thing is also to be clear about, you know, do I actually want to be highly skilled at this or do I want to be just kind of above average at this or do I just want to experience it? Yeah. And for me, there's a lot of things, you know, I mentioned archery the other day. I, I would love to learn archery. When I say I would love to learn archery, it's like I would like to learn the basics. I want to experience mm -hmm. archery. I, I don't want to be incredibly good at it mm. I, or I don't need to be you know maybe I, I get super into it and then that becomes one of my goals but probably I do it a few times I learn a few things I have a good time with them like okay I've done that mm -hmm. done right I don't have to get great at it just the right amount of frustration on the day <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and for many skills and this is this is one of the reasons this is like my pitch for being a jack of all trades mm -hmm. for many skills I find it's basically, it's surprising how little it takes to become significantly better than average and give yourself a serious advantage. Mm -hmm. So if you think about something like, like for me, an example of this is, you know, at, at one point it became clear to me that I needed to do something about my dating life. I'd always been, you know, very shy and I'd always been the guy who basically never, you know, no GF, I'm the no GF guy, right? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And I started practicing dating skills. Mm -hmm. And I spent very little time doing that. Okay, I was like, I was really pursuing this as a skill. So, you know, first of all, just learning how do you even start a conversation with a stranger? And then just going from that, okay, here's a stranger, talk to them, go from that to a date, and then go from a date to whatever else comes next, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on what you're interested in. That 
that's what I mean by dating skills. Mm. Okay, get better at that. I spent very little time really pursuing that as a skill. Mm. But I, I'm fairly comfortable in saying that I'm, I'm probably better at it than like 90 plus percent of men. Okay. Yeah. It takes very, very little to get. And in this case, like what more advantage do I need? Do I have to be the world's most successful playboy? No. Good point. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> like all I want, or at the time, right? All I wanted was I want to be able to get a date. Mm. I don't want to be alone for the rest of my life. Mm. Like how much, how high do I, how far do I need to pursue this skill? Not very far at all. Mm. If I'm, if I can get better than 90% of men at this within like six months. Yeah. And there are many things like that, you know, many. even even something like uh, just like your basic communication skills. Mm -hmm. This is something that I have practiced a lot. And there are loads of advantages to being a good communicator, but lots and lots of the advantages are to be had within a few weeks or a few months of training this. Mm. OK, you don't have to become, you know, the super suave, always eloquent, witty, metaphor-spinning uh, mm. master presenter. If you spend a few months developing your presentation skills, you stand out from the crowd. Yeah. And for me, there are many things like that where I'm just like, look, I just want to be good. I, I want to do the... So I think of this as running up the steep part of the learning curve, right? The learning curve is like... Initially, you get better very quickly because, first of all, like, okay, here's 100 mistakes you're going to start making right away. And then you learn the very basics. And then the longer you pursue a skill, the flatter the curve becomes. And eventually, you're putting in years and years and years of practice to get like 1% better, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and for many, many things, I'm interested in simply running up the steep part of the curve, and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> no, same. And I, I much, much more prefer that. There's... No, it, I was going to say that the, there's so many soft skills out there that I feel like we need a list of them <laughs> that people just aren't aware yeah. of. Because we, we all want to be good at crazy stuff, and we don't have <laughs> to be. And, and Listen, if I can't post it on Instagram, I'm not interested. Yeah, <laughs> this, is my, this is why I was like pausing. I was like, it's, it's ridiculous. Because like, all this... Th like learning an instrument is not easy. Mm. So if you're going to do that, you've, you have to commit past a certain level. But with so many things that make your life better, yeah, they are what you said. They're like just within range. Yeah, yeah. And I'll give you an example. Like I do not want to be the world's best community builder, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I do want to be good at it for, for the sake of Vicario and for my own skills and that. And it's like, this is where the, the practice that you've recommended, like read three books. That's mm. already like way above the average again. Exactly. Isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. How many? Exactly. That's a great example. And I right? feel it. I yes. feel it. I've read, yes. I've read four books now yeah. on the subject. And I actually don't, I've got more to do than yeah. I know what, yeah, like than time. This is in a good way. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought this up. So this is, maybe we can end on this, right? Mm -hmm. This is a very, a practical. very practical example <laughs> of works to, to experience this is read three books on one topic yeah. that you want to learn more about, right? Three different books that come from different angles, different kind of approaches. Because listen, how many people don't read books, period? Mm -hmm. It's some shocking number, right? It's basically the majority of, yeah, I was of one humanity. Of them. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't read books, period. 
how many people read three books on one topic? Like by the time you finish the third book, you know more about that thing than literally 99% of people alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there you go, yeah. read three books. That's a good start. It really works because I've used the community thing now. I've mentioned that, but I've picked my next three. I've started. And w yeah, w why I picked those three is because it's a it's a challenging area in my life. It's it's bas basically sexuality and my sexual history. Mm. And I've put it on like something I want to bring up on the podcast before. And then I was like, but what do I know about it? Mm. Like, I'm going to come sit here and I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah and, uh, you know, these are the problems. Like, yeah. let's, that's not helpful. That's not useful. Mm. So now I've picked three books on that because now I can actually come and present something and I'm going to know more yeah. than most people. For sure, yeah. So I'm quite excited about that one. Yeah, looking forward to it. That was episode 56 of the Ikario podcast and I hope you enjoyed that. As usual, you can go to ikario.com forward slash podcast to find the links to all of our episodes and show notes for each one. And you can also find the link in the podcast episode description, wherever you are listening to this podcast right now, or in the YouTube description if you're watching this on YouTube. You can also go to ikario.com forward slash 056 for episode 56 to jump directly to the show notes of this episode. Now, I also want to shout out my good friend, June, who inspired the conversation you heard today. I had this conversation with her about this idea of effortless action, and we had this back and forth, and it was one of those conversations that I thought this needs to be a podcast. Some really good ideas came out of this, and I wanted to share it. And yeah, I just wanted to give her credit. That is my good friend, June, who is also my coach. You can learn more about what she has to offer by going to junebui.com. That is June, like the month, and then bui.com. junebui.com, she is a great coach, a life coach. If you need someone to guide you through confronting some difficulties in your life, and basically someone who can be there and help you improve areas of your life where you have maybe struggled to do it on your own, I highly recommend that you give her a try. Now, with that said, a couple more housekeeping notes before we finish off. The first one being, for those who haven't heard me say this yet, unfortunately on YouTube, we still have this problem of comments getting swallowed by the YouTube spam bot or something, I don't know. It still happens that I will get a notification of someone having left a comment on a podcast episode on YouTube and by the time I go and look for it, it's already gone. So it's just automatically deleted. And I just want to reiterate, we are not deleting your comments. We're not censoring people who comment on our videos. That is somehow happening automatically. Now, of course, we love any likes and comments and positive reviews and all this kind of stuff, you know, all this engagement stuff obviously is very good to help spread the word. We're very thankful for that. But if you have something where you maybe want to ask a question or start a discussion with us, the best place to do that is the Ikario community. And you can learn more about how to join that by going to ikario.com forward slash join. And finally, maybe you noticed that we have left our weekly publishing schedule behind. So for a long time, we were publishing every week at the same day. Right now, we're doing things a little bit differently. Our goal is to bring you relevant and highly interesting episodes, but we are not sticking to a strict schedule right now. So right now, it's more like once in a while, 
but the podcast will still be ongoing. So with that, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm glad to have you here and I'll see you in the next one.